0: Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy.
1: Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Jillian Music, co founder of Moz and Brett Approved, and CEO at Outlines Venture Group. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Ann Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group, author of Global Search Engine Marketing, and co founder of the world's largest consortium of digital marketing companies. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com.
2: Hello Ann, what's on your mind today? Hi Jillian. Well, today I am I am thinking about bias and not in the way we usually talk about bias. You know, we we've, we've talked a lot about uh, hiring for inclusion, funding diverse founders, or the many ways we've examined bias in previous shows. But this time what's on my mind is how unconscious bias affects your business decisions the decisions you make in um, both strategic and tactical in your business in other words what unspoken assumptions guide our thinking so let's start with a very enlightening presentation from your Moz co-founder and someone you know well your son Rand Fishkin who yep. pointed who pointed out. Uh, that our biases about marketing strategies and tactics will often lead us into unproductive work. So how can you tell? Well, from your tracking data. I don't think we need to go into a lot of the details here as they were specific to digital marketing, which is Rand's expertise. Um, But his big takeaway was about data and tracking the right data and over enough time to indicate the true and most meaningful results. So his question, the big question for his entire presentation was, how is my cultural conditioning biasing me? Well, let's take a look at this definition of bias first and then we'll dig in. Oh, right. Great idea. Like so many labels, bias has earned a negative aspect. In fact, bias is neutral. Um, Allison Park, who's a partner at Blink, uh, who are diversity consultants in the Bay Area, uh, defines bias as a human inclination about what or who is normal or right based on innate hardwiring or personal experience or cultural norms and experience that we can choose how we act on if we are aware of it. In other words, we all have it. It's what we do with it that counts. In fact, spend time with behavioral scientists and you will inevitably hear all kinds of labels for every shade of bias, including people who believe they are entirely egalitarian. Um, That last group, by the way, are referred to as aversive discriminators. So there's your uh, (laughs) your your, five dollar word for the day. So the first factor, hardwiring, means we come by our biases naturally. Babies as young as three months old display a bias for attractive faces at three months. So that's, you know, 90 days uh, Mm -hmm. that they've been people. So let's let everyone off the hook here and admit that we are all born with some kind of bias. Incidentally, the neuroscience behind this informs that we are further hardwired to find those who lo- look like us attractive. And that was probably some primal safety switch to keep infant humans from cozying up to saber-toothed tigers, you know? Right. Right. So. Yeah, it's very vestigial. Yeah. Yeah. So, all well and good. I want to come back to innate biases later in the show if we have time, but right now let's turn to learn biases and how they affect business decision making. Uh, Rand talks about bias causing us to value easily measurable marketing tactics over those that um, where the benefits aren't quite so obvious uh, I, I keep wondering, is that just another way of saying that CMOs are lazy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think not in the end, yeah. but we can get into that in a moment. <laughs> yeah.
2: it, it, seriously, the results such as brand lift take longer to surface, but offer to the ones that deliver lasting value, which we can see if we take the time to look and see beyond the veils of our biases. So what other ways can personal bias lead to suboptimal decisions. How about in funding our startups? Absolutely, and we've talked about that an awful
1: lot. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, still talking on the discussion of how it affects how we run our businesses. It's not about who you hire and so on. This is not about just human bias. It's about all unconscious bias. So knowing that we are comfortable with things that are like ourselves or that things that mimic our own experience, I think it's an easy stretch for uh, founders who are listening to this show to realize that if you don't have a diversity in that founding team, um, and at least as soon as humanly possible. You get others in your organization with different experiences in life. You will not understand what usual, normal, comfortable, and right looks like to a large group of people. Right. Remember, we keep saying, uh, uh, quoting uh, Janice Mashala, who said, I invest in companies with diversity in the founding team because it's a proxy for them to being willing to listen to and to act on diverse ideas. It makes them more resilient and makes them able to acquire new markets more efficiently. We say this again and again and again, right? The reason we're digging in today is to understand why that might be important inside a founding team or again, as quickly as possible, pulling in the first hires from different and diverse backgrounds what's normal usual comfortable is what we like and what we want and what we purchase so on a consumer side it's easy to see how that works right if you grow up with specific sets of desires around food clothing, uh, your shelter furnishings, uh, whatever it is in the consumer end, right? That's what you will want later on until somebody gives you another want or desire. And again, what you've been exposed to is not just what your family knows, but your neighbors and so on, your community, but also what you would see on the television, hear on the radio and see on the internet as well. So your cultural bias and your experiences from childhood to early adulthood will formulate all kinds of things about how you expect to be marketed to, what you will respond positively to, what you think of as spam and bunk, right? What you believe or don't believe and who you believe and don't believe. We know that over time, these things are you know, changing. If you're running a business right now, whether it's B2B or B2C, Your brain should be reeling with all of that stuff right away. Oh, of course, I know about that. Uh, People who are middle-aged and and hanging out on Facebook believe this, that, and the next thing. But folks who are hanging out on, I don't know, uh, MySpace, boy, they believed a whole lot more. All right, so once yeah. you get from MySpace to Facebook, to Twitter, to uh, Snapchat, to right, from piece to piece, we're addressing new audiences engaged with the web. Uh, we moved over from digital Luddites, essentially those people who invented it, right, to those people who grew up using it, right? We see again what they believe, who they believe, how they believe things, and how they act on stuff, right? All of that changes, and that's really just the surface stuff. This is the unconscious bias we bring to our lives, and we have no choice about it. Some of it, like the three-month-olds, right, they're born with it, and whatever they think of as beautiful, that's it, and they got it, and it's nailed in there, right? But what we learn over time is everything that surrounded us in our very earliest days. One of the things that's fascinating is that sanity right and um, and healthy children um, and things like that emotionally healthy children not just adults but kids really has a lot to do with expectation if the child has a regular schedule um, regular expectations during the day there is comfort and organization and structure and the child thrives and without it the child begins to fall apart All kinds of things begin to fall apart. Their ability to learn, to communicate, uh, to emotionally engage with others, either peers or parents or anybody else and so on. Times of war disrupt all kinds of things. Living with people who have alcoholism or um, uh, drug addiction, again, destroys things like that and sometimes can destroy entire populations of people like times of war or epidemic. Mix of things like drug abuse and so on. So we know those things exist and this constant comfort of the regularity of your day um, means that you have a basis for what you expect to happen and how you expect it to happen. Right, Knowing that the largest percentage of the population on the planet will have their own view of that. If you grew up in Beijing or in New York, you both have urban experiences, lots of people, sounds, uh, vehicular sounds now in the 21st century, all of those kinds of things. And if you grew up out in the sticks of, who knows, Wyoming, you didn't. So what's normal is very different to that child. Disrupting it one way or another is
2: a change, and they must become accustomed to it.
1: We as adults don't grow out of
2: it. That's the killer piece. And on that killer piece, we have to take a break for our sponsors. Uh, this is CEO Coach, and we'll be back with more about how bias affects your business decisions, and in uh, just a few minutes.
0: More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
2: Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs.
0: We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are, and we ask you to guide them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because this community needs them.
2: Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more.
0: Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes, my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. Ho oh, ho Archie Fellow! Learn more at brainhealth.gov. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few, the proud, We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
2: Welcome back to CEO Coach. We're talking today about bias and how it can lead to poor business decisions. Uh, Later, we'll talk about how to recognize when bias is a factor in your decision making before you make a bad one. So, Jillian... Before the break, uh, we really came to a place saying that uh, it is uh, the, the killer piece is to uh, learn to accept diversity as you grow up. Is that where you were going with that?
1: Um, I think it's to understand that we all have our own natural biases, whether uh, just around at birth, right, and the earliest stages of growing up, and it just means it's that with which we are familiar, comfortable, and understand how to operate with and in. Okay. Right? That's all it is. So, so what I was yeah. saying was once we bring that to the table, then you understand why it's so terribly important to have a diversity on your founding team because you bring all of those perspectives of what's natural, normal, and so on, and they're different, <laughs>
2: right? You can't possibly market to somebody if you don't get the guy. <laughs> okay, you know. so let's bring it back to businesses. How about sources of funding that are not venture capital? Yeah, we've talked a lot about um, diversity
1: and inclusion and funding and so on. We talk about uh, entrepreneurs who elect to take this or that kind of funding. What you and I are talking about, again, is something unusual. The standard, the comfort, the traditional zone is to go that venture capital route. Now, again, Rand is writing an entire book on it, right? It's called uh, Lost and Founder, about following that standardized uh, expectation of uh, starting a business, getting some angel capital, moving on to venture capital, doing the other thing. And as he points out, it's like you congratulate somebody upon raising venture capital. And then you're thinking, he's thinking, well, yeah, and they just gave away 20% of their company. They have new bosses whom they may or may not like, and they're not really sure whether they're going to be in a position of control of their own company in short order. And you want to say congratulations? Congratulations. Right,
2: yeah. Right. Here's just the point, point. taken. <laughs>
1: right. It could be that it works out very well. But if you look at the statistics, those metrics he was talking about, right, if you look at the data, only a small portion will turn out very, very well. The rest will struggle greatly. And some will do okay, and some will be just god awful. So, as we look at the data inside our own companies, let's start with that idea of funding. Are you listening to those, if you will, diverse ideas around funding? You don't just have to take equity funding. There are debt instruments and debt and equity hybrids. There are uh, crowdsourcing options now. There are even online uh, systems where you can reach multiple angels without going out to the groups in person to pitch, um, all kinds of ways to do things. and then. There's the self-funded variety in which you say, no, I'm going to bootstrap this thing. I'm going to fund it with the sales that I make. As Mark Susser says, get the freaking cash register running. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, right? So there are so many different ways to put this together to understand, of course, whether you really want to build a scalable corporation or if you want to build something that you can run for the wrong term or you can run for five or ten years and still sell it to somebody else who will want to run it, right? Not everything has to be the billion dollar company. So following this tradition around entrepreneurship is fraught with danger. Look at those statistics. And at the risk of sounding like I'm, I'm plugging for him, read Rand's book when it comes out, right? It's a really good dive into what's this uh, illusion of absolute uh, assured successes once you're working with, if you will, other people's money. All right. So we talk again about all of these other uh, funding things that are not venture capital, convertible notes uh, and so on. If the founder's unconscious bias is that debt is bad, then of course they run toward that cultural norm of, you know, going out to raise capital. And I would say, well, you know, to put it in perspective, debt is a risky business. All right. it's, it's, they're much, these entrepreneurs are much less at risk if they can raise venture capital and then play with other people's money right, right. So, right. so there's more than just one unconscious bias working here Right. But that said, unconscious bias, bias against, uh, excuse me among investors as well as the entrepreneurs right? so uh, among the investors will significantly affect who gets funded, what gets funded, when, why, how and how much So we all know the high-level stuff, right? That's, you know, what successful entrepreneurs look like. They're tall, slender, white, male, youthful. Um, They speak American English, and, you know, they're off to the races. And there are very few other profiles that match that. Oh, and by the way, they graduated from either Harvard or Stanford.
2: Yep. And they they live in New York or Silicon Valley, maybe Boston. Maybe Boston, (laughs) right,
1: there you go, right, exactly. So now, you know, again, it's not 100%, but those that are not uh, in that group, they would be the exception to prove the rule routine, right? It's so significantly weighted to that, that you can see that, if you will, what should be conscious bias by now, not just unconscious bias. These are white males from that background funding, white males from that background, they're comfortable with each other and the VCs have no trouble saying this if you ask many VCs they say I'm looking for folks like myself
2: yep wow yeah. right Solve, solving problems I we understand you know that's not right. you and me we but they we understand that's correct yeah right, they, right. Uh, venture capitalists say solving problems I
1: understand and uh, again it, it, it's fine to do so it just means that this group will fund this stuff so we'd better get other groups to fund other stuff, right? Solving other people's problems, solving global problems that affect a wide variety of humans. Um, so as we look at the whole playing field here, what we want to say is unconscious bias, even when made conscious, still affects our decision making. Now, and how can we reduce that Um predilection to making bad business decisions. I know one of it is about looking at the data, and what is it about looking at that data that we can do to change how we're going to make our decisions? The short answer about how to not make bad decisions in your company uh, based on your own unconscious uh, bias, even if you've made it conscious, right? Is to take a look at data in a longer term. Uh, For example, in marketing, it's very easy to spin a wheel for a little bit and say, oh, that's not working. It's insufficient amounts of ROI. I haven't reached the return on investment in the period of time that I decided immediately. Rather than doing things on quarterly uh, ROIs or even semi-annual ROIs, I encourage every entrepreneur, even at the earliest stage, to look at much longer-term ROIs. If you're moving in the right direction, however slowly, you can certainly spin some other plates to see if you'll get to your goals faster, But do not turn off those kinds of efforts. Generally, it's things like content marketing, developing yourself as an expertise, um, setting your company up as an authority in a field. These things are not made in quarters and half years. These things are made over many years' time. Start early. Keep it up. Don't flag on it, even though it doesn't look like it's bringing you a solid ROI. Right. I would say uh, as well going to um, conferences in your field, becoming known, right? You'll come back and say, well, I didn't close a deal. That's insufficient. Look more broadly at your data. What did you accomplish? What relationships did you begin not establish? What did you begin and how will you leverage them now? So again, look more deeply, look more broadly and look longer term. Now. As we look at things like um, unconscious bias among funding, among um, partnering and so on, there still is that gender-based bias that we've been talking about a lot. So Anne, as we take a look at that, I think you've got some interesting uh, pieces that you've recently read about gender bias and
2: examining that and how to manage it in the business. I certainly do. And when we come back from our break, that is exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to examine a new perspective on bias towards women and what to do about it. So this is CEO Coach. After the break, uh, we will talk more about bias and business decisions. And we'll be right back. More
0: on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
3: Learn more on WPEngine.com.
0: We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
1: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy. So, Ann, tell us, before we end this show, what is this examination of the bias towards women that you've been reading about?
2: Okay, Jennifer Palmieri, a name you may remember from the 2016 election, has just written a book based on her experience as communications director for the Democrats candidate, who was the first woman ever nominated by a major party in the U.S. Now, politics is certainly outside the scope of what we do here at CEO Coach, but one learning that Palmieri raised up really caught my eye and made me think of the struggles of women to get their startups funded or to rise to top leadership positions in cor- in the corporate world. So just uh, for a quick quick set of numbers here, let's remind our listeners um, that uh Women start 38% of new businesses, but receive less than 2% of venture capital. And in the corporations, women hold only 21% of board seats and only 4% of C-suite jobs. Yeah, sadly true. But what's the election got to do with it? Okay, bear with me here. Palmieri says they ran their candidate as a woman who could play a man's game and bring a woman's sense of duty to it, you know, tough, assertive, unafraid, the usual strengths we associate with maleness in our cultural conditioning. And the light bulb went off, the penny dropped when Palmieri realized doing so erased all the things that women are, the unique attributes that make women effective protectors of future generations of our species. And Ah. she says this is because men have defined the arena in their own image. And she wasn't just talking about, she was talking about politics. But this is something I've been pondering, oh gosh, ever since I went into business decades ago about do we want to be just like men and I think that women who are attempting to play like men are by definition at a disadvantage because doing so creates a subtle well maybe not so subtle disconnect of authenticity in other words you you can play like a man but if you're not a man that's going to be jarring for whoever is observing us and this will make it's incongruent it's not authentic yeah exactly and this makes others uncomfortable although they may not even be aware that they are according to palmieri we need to insert new rules into the game or even better invent a whole new game don't you love it yes All sorts of bells went off for me on that one. We talk a lot about bias against women in business. And indeed, we've experienced it from time to time ourselves. I mean, what if we've too been playing by a set of rules that don't recognize female talent? So Mm -hmm. we know from reams of data uh, that women-led businesses outperform those led solely by men. And you have comments like. Kevin O'Leary of Shark Tank, that all of his successful investments have been in women-led startups, yet we also know that women pitching VCs get asked preventive questions while their male peers are asked promotional ones. I mean, I could go on and on and on, you know, about this. So, what if we women in business are trying to play like men because men made the rules? What would happen if instead we made up our own rules? allowed our female qualities and i'll start with emotionality for one to come forth are we okay. doing ourselves or anyone else for that matter any good when we hide who we are in order to try a winning game that was never designed for us and that we were never expected to succeed at lots of questions i have lots of questions so, so uh t- t- yeah take funding a startup yeah, right? yeah. We know investors tend to support what they understand. You just said so, you know, and what they're mm-hmm. then to invest with their friends. And we well, also, they should. We also right? know. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. You know, and we also know that women tend to start businesses to solve problems they have.
1: Yes. See where, see where I'm going with this? Yes, absolutely. Right on target.
2: If a woman launches a product to make some part of women's lives better, it is possible this is a problem that... Uh, men rarely encounter personally and this makes it harder to get their attention that's a practical answer but consider for a moment that hardwired deep in the male vc psyche is a bias that does not recognize business women as one of their kind can you see how that disconnect can lead to the expectation that women will not succeed as infuriating as truly infuriating that bias is, it is the one that fuels those preventive questions that women founders get asked in pitches. It is the bias likely behind the boardroom comment um, that I was blessed with that my analysis was soft. If you think about it, such a bias is because behind much of the difficulty women have in business, whether in their own startups or large enterprises. And it leads to failed potential for business and outright failed businesses too. Okay, so we have just a few seconds left before
1: we have to shut down our show for today. Tell me, um, how? what do we do about this?
2: Well, it's tempting to declare, we'll reinvent the game, rewrite the rules, uh, and that's certainly a worthy effort, but it'll take a long time. It's actually really more of an evolution. So the practical solution in the short run is to learn how to recognize bias, whether in business decisions or when it's used against women, and learn from that recognition. And let's talk about that sometime in another show. (laughs) Absolutely. I think we should have um, another
1: show around this subject. Absolutely. And we'll talk more deeply about the solutions rather than the issue itself. Um, Talking through the different parts of business and how you might look at those biases and actually leverage a number of biases among your entire founding team, assuming, of
2: course, that you have a diverse founding team. That's it this week at CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on on our Facebook page, which is named CEO Coach Podcast. Stop by and hit the like button so we will know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ian Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next week.